I asked Roger how many people we had viewing online this morning, and he said that we had um, 30 different people that were logged on to the live stream, four different um, devices logged on, and I know that multiple numbers of those are family units, uh, so probably well over 100 people that are joining us by the live stream this morning. There's obviously been a great disruption to everything in our lives, uh, but sometimes in that disruption, it causes us to think. It causes us to focus. Even as we uh, partook of the Lord's Supper a little bit differently this morning, I quite enjoyed it. Because what I found myself doing was concentrating more on the fruit of the vine. I found myself just staring at that cup and what it, and what it means and, what, and why we're partaking of it. And, and I think that's a good thing. And hopefully good will come out of difficult times. You know, I'm 42 years old, so I'm not that old. But someone could amen that if you wanted, even in a, a smaller crowd. Thank you. But, but there are things going on in our culture and in our world today that, that to be quite honest, I, I've never experienced anything like it before. I, I've seen some things. You've seen some things. But, but, but this uh, virus outbreak and COVID-19, coronavirus I, to be quite honest, I don't know exactly what to make of it. I have a lot of questions, and, and I've tried to talk to people who might have some answers, and, and I feel like I learn a few things here or there, but, but to know exactly what is going on, and I don't know anyone infected with, with COVID-19. I don't know anybody. I've seen pictures, I've seen things in Italy, I've seen things uh, in China and around the world. I've seen the repercussions of that, but I, I, don't, I don't know of anyone. And to be quite honest, I haven't given it a great deal of thought before this week. And then, and then things started happening this week that, that tell me we're dealing with something that, well, it's just something we've never experienced. And, and, and the, the very first thing that I heard was that they were going to play the NCAA tournament with no people in the stands. And, and I'm, sure, I'm sure I expressed it at the office, that's crazy. Like, I mean, in, in, in what world do you have, you know, the March Madness and it's just a bunch of sneakers that are out there squeaking and, and, and then the NBA says, well, we're putting our season on hold and, and sports got a lot of uh, attention. And then they just said, hey, we're just, we're, we're not even going to, we're not even going to play the NCAA tournament. Now, you go back about three months, six months in your mind, and, and some of you who are sports fans, in your mind, what, what would have to happen in order for you to, to, to think, you know what, this year they probably won't play the NCAA tournament? I mean, what, I can't even comprehend. You know when 9-11 when happened, and, and that's, I try to make some parallels there, but, but when 9-11 happened, they, they were back to playing they were back to playing football just the very next week because they said, well, we, we don't want this to change anything, right? You guys remember this? But, but now, now our, our schools are closed. Our, our universities are dismissing. Our, our major universities, one by one across the nation, said, you know, we're going, we're, we're, we're going to uh, discontinue classes. We're sending our students home after spring break. All instruction will be online from this point forward. I thought, Wow. I mean, wow. How, I mean, I guess they have the infrastructure that, that they can do that. And then, and then we started seeing these things amongst our, 
our, our, our schools that our children go to, our elementary schools, our middle schools, our high schools, uh, all the schools in this area that I know of are out for at least the next two weeks. And how do we respond to that? I read this morning, I read this morning that Walmart will no longer be open 24 hours a day, 6 to 11. I'm just telling you that, that th- there are some things that are going on that are just unprecedented. And outside of a, well, I don't even know in what sort of circumstance I could have tied to the things that we're seeing today. And, and we could talk about how these things deal with our culture and they reflect our culture. Maybe a great discussion for us to have, but, but, the, but whatever it is, we're dealing with something that is quite serious. We're dealing with something that has turned the world upside down, and not just the world, but my world and your world. And we're trying to figure out how do we respond to these things? How do we respond to these things that are so unknown? Will it be just like another flu season and we'll think, well, you know, I I guess you remember that time that we did all this stuff and nothing really happened? Or or will our streets be empty in the same way that we saw th- throughout the streets of Italy in, in a number of days or, or a number of weeks? I, I don't know the answer to that. I did find some interesting words, and you might have read these in a few different places, but C.S. Lewis, he wrote about a lot of stuff. He, he didn't write about COVID-19, um, believe it or not, but it didn't exist when he wrote, if you didn't pick up on that. But but, but, but he did write about a lot of fears that were amongst the people with the beginning of the atomic age. And people basically saying the same things that we're saying. What's going to happen? How do we respond to these things? And, and I just wanted to read his words. And, and as, he, as he talks about the atomic bomb, I just want you to think about uh, the coronavirus. He says, in one way, we think a great a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in the atomic age? I'm tempted to reply, why? As you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might might land and cut your throat out any night, or indeed as you are already living in the age of cancer in an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, he says, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways, We had, indeed, one very great advantage over our ancestors and ascetics, but we we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances in it, which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, then let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible things and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over over a drink and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. 
They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that. Ironic. But they need not dominate our minds. I just thought he had great perspective on on situations such as this that we face. So, so five things this morning that I want to share with you for, for us to think about as we think about what does it mean to be Christians in an age of viruses and the coronavirus and things of that nature, in a time of, uh, of unknown and a time of anxiety where we wonder this and we have fears of these things, always in those situations, when we find ourselves in an unknown time, as a Christian, we must focus on what we do know. You can ask me many questions that I don't have the answer to. But there are some things that I know, and the reality of those things changes everything. See, as Christians, worry is not our friend, and panic is not our way. Solomon said, Solomon said in Proverbs 24 and verse 10, if you faint in the day of, 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 if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. All he's trying to say is, not that days of of adversity will not come, but that we have reason to be strong. We have reason to have courage. We have reason to have hope. May May it never be said that God's people, that God's people are people who are governed by by fear rather than by faith. I don't know what happens tomorrow. I don't know what get can, what 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 gets canceled this afternoon or next week. I don't know if, if an outbreak comes. I don't know if death. I don't know any of those things. But I know there is a God. I know that. I I know that there is an all powerful God who has created this world and who sustains this world every moment of the day. And I know that that God is in control. And that God is in control on the best day of my life and on the worst day of my life. That God is in control on the days that I think I understand everything that's going on around me and on the days when I don't have a clue what's going on around me. I know that that God who is in control is also my protector. Faith is is not just to believe that He is, but to believe that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 41 in verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You see, the characters of the Bible and the the proclaimers of the Word of God and the Christians that we read about uh, throughout the centuries, they are no stranger to suffering or to hard times or difficult times or unknown times. So people that think that, that, that following God means that we don't have to worry about this stuff, that, well, you're not reading your Bible. People have always dealt with things of this nature, but they have dealt with it in a different way. They have dealt with it with hope. What Paul says there in his, Thess- in his letter to the church at Thessalonica, I do not want you to grieve as those who have no hope. Grief, yes, but not as those who have no hope. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that we need not worry. Because even if this world does its very worst to us, that would be death. We serve one who has defeated sin and death. My my initial intent this morning was to preach a sermon about 
being almost persuaded. And we were going to look at Paul and his relationship with Agrippa and as he stood trial and those who were almost persuaded. And, and you get to the end of that lesson and you'll, we'll probably get, get to that lesson. But the, but the message is this, wherever you live, whenever you live, however you live, you live each day being right with God. And that changes everything. It will bring you a peace that passes all understanding. Paul would write to the church in Philippi. We need to remember what we know. Number two, we need to remember the frailty of life. How quickly it changes. Life and death and how these things are taken away from us. We, we have plans for the future and we we. we, we think we know what's going to happen, but we don't, do we? Now, I know that I don't know, but sometimes I forget that I don't know. And there are moments like this that well, we're reminded of these things. We're reminded of the words of James in James 4 and verse 13 when he says, Come now, you who say today, today or tomorrow, we, to go to, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now your boast and your, your, boast and your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. That's why the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes said that it was good for us to go to funerals. I'm not looking to go to any funerals anytime soon, but he says it's good because this is the end of every man. To remind us of the frailty of life. How many of us have had our schedules severely impacted over the last few days? I mean, I, I can't begin to tell you how, how much my schedule has changed in, in, from, from last Wednesday out for the next month. I thought I knew what was going to happen. I had this plan, I had that plan, but now, now those plans are gone. We simply do not know. Thirdly, in times like this, we, we learn to think of others. We learn to think of others. D- to be quite honest, I haven't been too worried about COVID-19, coronavirus. Right? And I don't, even today, I'm not, I'm not just losing my head about it. The, the, the idea of, I mean... I don't know. I, I, it's highly, highly infectious, and if oh, some people get it, that the, that the death rate is much more aggressive and things of that nature. And we talk about flattening the curve. Thomas teaches statistics. He can give you a lecture on that. Uh, Travis is a doctor. He can talk to you about uh, infection and how those how those things work. But I don't know. I haven't been very worried about it. I mean, I don't really want to get the flu, but if I get the flu, it won't be the end of the world, and we'll get on with life, right? That's been my response. I'm just being completely honest as I thought about these things. And then I got a text. I guess it was Thursday. I should have looked to see when it was. It was probably Thursday afternoon. Here was the text. I'm not really thinking about it. I'm not too worried about it. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Larry Foster texted me and just said, just wondering if there were any plans to, do, to do, take any extra precautions for communion on Sunday. 
Now, when Larry sent me that text, they're probably watching this morning, but, but I can, I mean, it's like, you ever have those moments when you read something and just everything stops in your head? This kind of hit me like a ton of bricks because, because Nikki's one of these people who has this severely suppressed immune system and she's dealing with rejection of an organ and, and she's one of these people that if this, if this virus gets a hold of her, she could die. And all of a sudden, my mind just started shifting a little bit in my head. I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, I'm not worried about me getting the flu. I'm worried about other people dying. And I'm, I don't know, I start thinking about, like, like I think start thinking about Miss Kathy. And I think about Rosalie and Annabelle Dykes. And then I think about my parents and my grandparents and all these people that are susceptible. I'm just, I wasn't thinking about them before. I mean, the flu would be bad, but, but this is something much different. And it was just one of these moments that, that in my mind, and we need these moments, don't we, not only in this situation but throughout life, where we stop thinking about ourselves and we start thinking about other people. You would think that would come natural to us, but quite the opposite. Paul said in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look, not, look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. It's like one of those verses I might want to get tattooed on my forehead. Because I, I keep forgetting it. And every time I read it, I'm like, man, that's really powerful. Why don't you do that? But it's in moments like this that well, we're given those reminders. I was reading a little bit about Martin Luther when he was dealing with the Black Death Plague. It's something different, but it was still a virus that, that, could, that, that could impact people. And, and, and he wrote some things that I think might be helpful as we think about thinking about other people. Listen to what he said. He said, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I have done what he, and I have done what he has expected of me and so I am not responsible for either my own death or for the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith, because it is neither brash nor full-heartedly, and does not tempt God. I, I thought those were powerful words. One person approached before services this morning, and they said, if you know of someone, some of our older people, who are in need of maybe someone to go to the grocery store. Maybe they just don't think it's a very smart thing for them to be going out to Walmart. They said, you, you let me know. And if you're in that category, even those who are watching, if you're in that category, you let me know and I'll let them know. That's what Christians do. We find ways to understand life is not about ourselves. Fourthly, fourthly, we, we are reminded that some things don't matter as much as we think they do. Some things don't matter as much as we think that they do. Those schedules that have been turned upside down on, on my calendar, pressing delete, 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 delete. 
right? I've had that experience. Uh, Shelly was on her way to a state literary competition uh, with Evie and some, and some other girls, and they got all the way to Albany, and they called and said, hey, you know those plans that you had for t- today and tomorrow? No, come on home. Not happening. I was in the midst of preparing for, uh, for a debate tournament, not that I'm in a debate tournament, to prepare my son for a debate tournament, and had probably spent, well, not a small amount of time trying to prepare for that. Guess what? Not happening. Right? Not going to happen. Uh, making plans next week. I've been planning for the last year to be in Katy, Texas for a marriage seminar. Shelly and I, guess what? Not happening. Uh, m- many uh, of our young people, I thought about um, Brianna Crosby. Um, Brianna is one of our students at Freed Hardman who is one of the MCs at Making Music, which I don't know if you know what that means, but it's a big deal. Okay? It's a big deal. Guess what? Shows off all that work, all that time. These young men who are, who are, who are athletes in the NCAA, you don't have to be in the NCAA, you could be, you could be playing at, at, at Valdosta State, and all of their work, all of their time, all of their effort, season's over, see you next year, or you may never play again. I mean, it's, you, you, I mean, all of these things, we could go on and on. You could probably add your own list of like, man, some things that I really had worked on and planned on, they're not happening now. Up, upside down. When we begin to live our lives in light of eternity, it changes our priorities. I'm busy. You're busy. But I have these thoughts in times like these. Maybe we're too busy. Maybe we need something to help us learn how to say no. I didn't name anything that was bad right? But maybe that ought to give us some perspective on the things that we do and the ways that we spend our time. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, Jesus came to the house of Mary and Martha. And the Bible says when it happened as he went, he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Mary was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Jesus answered to her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. To understand as we reflect upon our normal life, In times like this, it is a reminder that none of us drift into good directions. We only discipline ourselves and prioritize ourselves there. Finally, this is the time that we share our hope. See, we live in in this world that has all these thoughts, all these questions, all this anxiety that's pent up inside of all of us, and it's in those moments that we're able to say, but I'm I'm not worried. I'm not filled with anxiety. I'm, the, the, the sky is not falling. Even I mean, Things may change. Things may get much worse. But I have hope. All those things that we said that we know earlier on, on that very first point, this is the time that we start having those conversations. You, you don't know God. You don't know that there is a God. I could see why you would be worried. I, I could see what, why, how and why you, you would be pull, pulling your hair out. Right? 
Peter says in 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. He doesn't say always be ready to answer every Bible question anybody has of you. It's not a bad thing. He says, I want you to be able to tell people about why you have hope when they don't. And in those times when people's hope has been taken away, that's when Christians ought to shine the, the, the brightest. When the day is the darkest, Christians shine the brightest. Does this not apply to this situation that we face? This is the time that, just as Jack shared with us as, as, we, as we partook of, of our communion, where we begin to share how our God has rescued us from a universal epidemic of sin and the penalty of death. Share that our hope is not found in simply remaining healthy on this side of heaven, but that our hope, our hope goes far beyond this world to a place that is even unseen. For we walk by faith and not by sight. I don't know, you, you, you might be able to add to some of these things. These were, th- th- these were my thoughts, but, but in these times of great uncertainty, we need to, well, we need to remember what we do know. And as we dwell upon those things, we, we need to be reminded this life is very, very frail. We need to be reminded to think of others who might not be as blessed as we are. Surely we will get the point that there are some things that we've been spending a whole lot of time on that don't really matter. And we look for opportunity to tell people about the one who really does matter. Jesus Christ. Friends, if you're here this morning, I want to ask you, I want to ask you to think about what really matters. I want to ask you to think not just about the pandemic that is going around our globe, but I want you to think about the epidemic of sin that's going around our globe. Can I tell you that I know of a few cases in Valdosta, Georgia? I know of more cases than I can count. And one of them I look at in the mirror every single day. It's the problem. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we are justified by His grace. That's the point. That's the point of pointing out our sin is to point out God's salvation. Jesus Christ came and lived and died so that we might be saved Oh, there's plenty of bad news out there, but there is some good news. We need to listen to it. We need to walk in it. Friends, if you're here this morning and you have sin in your life that you have never repented of, listen to me. I know our number's down, but I'm not naive enough to think that we got people here and everybody here is repentant of all the sin in their life. So listen to me. If there's sin in your life that you have not repented of, this is your God-given opportunity. If you're here this morning... And you understand that there is a God. You're able to understand when I tell you that Jesus is the Lord. But for some reason or another, you've never been born again. You have never been immersed to have your sins washed away. This is your God-given opportunity. Do these days not teach us that we are not guaranteed anything? Not even tomorrow? This is our opportunity to come and walk with him so that we may walk in hope. That's why Jesus died. 
and that will change everything. Friends, if you have a need this morning, you come as we stand and as we sing.